Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 51st episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this Book Moon episode, we'll be discussing soulmates, love, and feminine energy. I'll be interviewing Nalaya Chakana, an intimacy coach. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is Sacred Sex, The Magic and Path of the Divine Erotic by Gabriella Herstic. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for magnetism. But first, let me share with you some of my reflections on a divine feminine approach to manifestation. I'm going to keep my monologue a little bit shorter this time. That's because I went way over time when I was speaking to Nalaya and I could have gone on for longer and longer. The subject matter was fascinating to me, talking about attracting soulmates and talking about twin flames, love, tantric and shamanic methods to attract the soulmate. We also talked about feminine energy and it was fascinating. I'm definitely, definitely interested in the divine feminine lately. I'm someone who's been hyper independent in my life and I've had to kind of rely on masculine energy, especially as far as work is concerned. I've definitely been in the masculine and I, I feel as though I've had to be. That's been the only option to me to try and, you know, protect myself because there was no one to protect me. And also just to kind of make things happen on a business level. And also because I'm freelance, not just because I'm an independent woman, but being a freelancer as well means that you have to rely on yourself. And you can't be just receptive waiting for things to happen. You've got to take, you know, take um, an active role in your life. And as you may know, if you've been listening to my content and my podcast for a while, you'll know that I practice something called sex magic also known as orgasmic manifestation, which is using your orgasmic energy to manifest. It's similar to the law of attraction, but it's actually reserved for times of sexual activity. For example, you could masturbate and set an intention for that self-love practice. And then at the time of orgasm, you go back to that intention and kind of send your orgasmic energy out to the universe with that intention. And I started doing this about five years ago and I was at a time of absolute des desperation. I was going to say it in Spanish then, desesperación, so many years abroad. And sometimes when we are in painful places in our lives, these are the times when we, when we welcome transformation. And that's what it was like for me. So I discovered how to use my sexual energy to manifest. And it was enlightening to me because I thought I knew a lot about sexuality already. I was in my ninth year as a sexual wellness content creator. And until that time, I'd been focused on pleasure, overcoming shame, trauma, and orgasmic education for women. But now I was about to learn that it was actually way more powerful than I could have imagined. So when I discovered that I could use my orgasmic energy to manifest, 
I had 62 orgasms in the month of March 2018. One in the morning, one in the night, in the evening. And each one was devoted to a professional goal that I had. I had three goals at the time. It was more traffic, more collaborations, and I can't remember what the third one is, but it's something to do with graphs going up anyway. Collaborations, traffic, and engagement, something like that. And I focused on these things and just um, imagined exponential growing graphs when I was about to have my orgasm. I imagined receiving emails with the subject, collaboration offer, proposal, business offer, etc. So we could, and ever since then, I've been very goal oriented as far as my magic is concerned. And I realized pretty much quite quite recently that I had a very masculine approach to manifestation. And more recently, I have been um, in, engaged in a more kind of feminine sex magic, which is more about creating the space for those new blessings to enter my life, being receptive, allowing and surrendering. But let's remind ourselves what we mean when we say, when we talk about masculine energy and feminine energy. And these are not to do with the, the gender we are, the sex we are. It's about these these energies are present in all of us to, to some degree, to different levels. And um, so the masculine energy is about um, logical thinking, confidence, focus, strength, stability, clarity, assertiveness, and it's very goal-driven. And all of my sex magical practices were all of those things, definitely focused on results. And then um, more recently, I've been um, doing sex magic with affirmations such as I allow, I am receptive, I surrender, things like that, which are kind of a bit more, let's say, non-specific, but it's more about receiving the gifts, creating the space, holding the space for those gifts rather than specifying what they should be. And the feminine energy is associated with intuition, generosity, nurturing energy, creativity, collaboration, caring energy, receptivity, and gratitude. Receptivity and gratitude. So that's um, really influenced my own um, practice. And after I spoke to Nalaya, I kind of, I'd already been kind of playing around with this type of sex magic um, as a, in more of a surrender mode, but I hadn't, hadn't defined it as a feminine manifestation practice until I spoke to her. And it's just really made me um, reconsider and reevaluate and, and um, relive um, my my thoughts um, and practices on sex magic. So this has been very insightful for me. And I've been really in that feminine space ever since. And I think I'm becoming softer in my life now, a kind of um, not softer, how would I say it? I'm not so, um, so focused on um, goals, etc. And I'm, I'm kind of like going with the flow a lot more, which is a nice place to be in, especially after being so hyper controlling and um, independent. Not that I'm not independent anymore. It's just that I'm kind of more accepting of what is. And that's a very powerful place to be in, just to kind of accept what is and, and just go with it. And because um, how we approach life, our happiness is about how we how we react to things around us. And that's very, very, very important. Whereas I think that the other type of manifestation where it's more kind of goal driven, you're trying to control things that maybe you can't control. And I think it's good to kind of have goals in life, but it's also OK to be OK with it, with them not happening. And that's a powerful place to be in thinking, I, I want this thing, but I'm OK if it doesn't happen, because if it doesn't happen, it's not the right thing for me. And um, that's the kind of space I am in right now. 
it was very insightful to speak to Nalaya about this type of about feminine energy and also about soulmates, twin flames, and love in general. If you're if you are interested in embarking on a love journey um, to find your soulmate or to receive your soulmate, depending on how you want to frame it, she has started a new course called Dare to Love which is a six-week journey that's starting this weekend. Well, actually, um, this is Monday now when I launched this episode. But this last weekend is just launched. And this is the last opportunity to join this particular cycle of it. And um, a six-week journey, you're going to have lots of support and contact with Nalaya. And um, this course will help you to prepare for love using tantric and shamanic methods. And now let's speak to her because it's so interesting. Oh my God, let's learn a bit more about love. Now it's time for this episode's interview. We'll be speaking with Nalaya Takana, an intimacy coach. Nalaya Takana, welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you so much for taking part in this interview today. I'm very happy to have you here. And for those who are unfamiliar with what you do, could you tell us, could you introduce yourself and tell us what you do exactly? Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, so the focus of my work is very specific. Uh, It's to help women who, let's say, in one way or another, identify with being strong or independent. Mm -hmm. Um, I see them as women who usually would have it all except love. Um, So the thing that fascinates me most is the patterns in love and how we get stuck in certain patterns that don't actually serve what it is that we truly long for and so I help these women attract their life partner. And I do this by integrating shamanic uh, practices as well as tantric practices. And so it's it's almost like a division, right? Between diving deep into the darkness to be able to to enter the light and, and have the space to, to open up to new vision and magnetize. But I guess, you know, for the details of like how, what, if, and when, and what my journey has been, uh, I think the rest of that will be uh, part of this interview. But yeah, the essence is really that, no? Like how can we, in a tangible, easy way, break patterns? Um, yeah, to the soulmate. So what do you think is the reason why um, these high-performing women have this block? Do you think it's something to do with maybe the masculine and feminine energy or something like that? They're more maybe in the masculine space and in, in, in their lives and they have trouble embracing that feminine side. Do you think that could be an element or is there anything that you can see that's a common feature? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I used to do this work for men and women both. Mm. Uh, In the far, far past, like more than 10 years ago, I only worked with women. And now that I'm a mother, I'm in a long-term relationship. I mean, I'm married. Um, I, I guess my own journey or like the initiations has allowed me to see certain shadows that are so very specific to this archetype and I suppose that's why it's interesting for me to to share it with a group of women of that kind because I do believe that our stories often will overlap where we're able to to recognize something in each other through our stories so the storytelling is very much part of of how I work not like the sharing of authenticity and vulnerabilities and also allowing the other to to weave their wisdom and their experiences into the web of um, how we move together in a group situation. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question for sure, I feel like, um, you know, for example, as entrepreneurs, we need to be in that masculine energy, right? Like, otherwise, there's no way we can be successful. And what is interesting to discover is to see like, okay, for example, no, like I 
right now I'm doing a little bit of work, like I'm offering this course, but for the last year and a half, I've only been a mother. And I suppose that space of not having worked at all has also allowed me to integrate certain aspects and see certain aspects. And upon reflection, I would say like, yeah, the being the intimacy life coach that I was full time was also something that was leaking into friendships, for example. And it bothered me, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> like, so what that do you see? Is leaking into friendships in what sense? Well, that, you know, of course, I'm fascinated by love stories. I love helping friends out um, with struggles in love or um, intimacy, partnership, se sexuality, whatever's going on. Of course, I, I have a love for that. So it's it's naturally part of what comes up in, in conversation. But if I somehow in many relationships start ending up in that role and that is the base of our friendship, then I think that that is something to look at, right? Like for those listening, perhaps you're also a coach of some kind or a therapist, or you have a role in taking the lead. Um, and if you are in a process where you need to be vulnerable, you need to be held, you need um, guidance, and it's not directly available or not available in the way that you need it or want it, then there is a huge imbalance, right? So if women in that position who always take the lead, who are always there to help others, uh, but then are confronted with not receiving that and yet dream of having their life partner by their side, it's like, okay, maybe let's check into all these other layers of relationship first uh, to see like how we can balance that energy and, and create more of a wholesome, coherent way of relating in general before looking at who's this dream partner and where do you need to be in order to integrate that. Um, so yeah, the masculine energy, I would definitely say if it's too big, it will leak into other re uh, relationships, relational forums. And if it's so big, it won't give space for a really masculine man to step into the field. So often, you know, the complaint that I see in, in women as such is that, of course, they have beautiful relationships here and there, but the man is not masculine enough. Mm -hmm. And it's a balance, right? It's like, okay, she can make space for... Um, you know, being more in her feminine. But of course, the man who appears will have to step up in a way to ensure that she has the safety to be in her feminine because it's a very different kind of vulnerability. Definitely. And do any any other common shadows that you find in this uh, archetype of women? Yeah. Well, it's, it's all kind of overlapping. Um, the first thing that came to mind is you know, she's the type of person who can take care of it all. So whenever there is a problem, whenever there is a process, whenever there is anything going on, and it's in the finer details. Um, like for example, I'll, I'll I'll give a bit of my story to to help clarify um, this attribute. So during the pandemic, I have, I actually left everything behind. I was living in Peru, where I am now, actually. <laughs> Uh, I was living here for five years. I was, um, a, yeah, I was really rooted. I, I thought the rest of my life was going to be here. During the pandemic, Ruan and I reconnected because we'd actually met here once. It was nothing romantic, but we'd always had an attraction. So we broke the ice during the pandemic. He was in Thailand. I was here. You know, it was world lockdown. It was hard to travel. I had to repatriate to Holland, where I'm from. And we had to figure out a way for me to be able to even enter Thailand to see whether this was uh, something real. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting for me to, to use those words because we both really felt strongly like this is not an illusion because um, I'd fallen in love before with 
men who were elsewhere. And I had actually promised myself to not ever do that again, because very often, you know, we, we create an illusion of what is the possibility or what is the potential without actually having this tangible experience. So I'd kind of, you know, decided with myself, like, I'm just not going to do that. If the universe wants me to meet him, he'll arrive here in the present moment in the place where I'm at. Uh, so I've never been on dating apps, for example. But for Aruwan, it was a whole different sensation, I suppose, that I had in my body. Um, him and I had a professional connection. So he's also, let's say, an intimacy life coach, but focused more on masculinity. And we'd helped each other out throughout the years with uh, various clients. Um, I often referred his podcast to my clients. When I started working more with, with men, um, you know, it was just like the person I reached out to. So we had this like respectful professional connection that had nothing to do with um, knowing each other personally. So there was already a, a bit of an understanding. And when I made that choice to leave everything behind and go to Thailand during the pandemic, so it wasn't like I could go back easily. I felt in my bones like, yeah, I knew this was it. And when I arrived, um, yeah, everything clicked. Everything unfolded really beautifully. And I actually got pregnant very quickly, like after five months. We were already talking about parenthood. So the fact that it happened so quickly was very welcome. However, it, it uh, forced me very strongly into my feminine because, I mean, there's lots of people, lots of women who will continue working when pregnant. Um, but, you know, for certain women who are very sensitive, I would say that's not really possible. Because, like, the there's an altered state of consciousness that happens. Um, there's a lack of being able to direct or be connected to time and space. It's, it's hard for me to put into words. But even, for example, working with clients one-on-one, -on -one, it was too impactful. So... The pregnancy opened the space for femininity, but also I was in a country where I knew nobody, I knew nothing, and I really had to lean on him for almost everything. And the, let's say the polarity that we then created was almost in its extremity, right? Like almost in its most divine primal form of him really being the man and me really being the woman. It was quite confronting because like as an entrepreneur, I'd always taken care of myself. I'd always been financially abundant. I stopped working. I went in inward. And like I said, I didn't have my community around me. Uh, so I, I really had to lean on him. And the way that we navigated life was um, very much from that standpoint. And it, it helped me see certain things with more clarity that had been there in other relationships, let's say in more subtle ways. Um, because, of course, in other relationships, I've also very much tried like, OK, how can I be more in my feminine so that um, it emphasizes on his masculinity? But I think that very often certain ways of being are so engraved that um, it's hard to break them. And I honestly dare to say that I do believe that the inability for the woman to be in her feminine um, is very often the cause for relationships to not work out. And we can kind of come up with narratives of why this person was X, Y, Z, or, you know, and I feel like these stories actually keep us trapped in repeating those patterns in dating people that are just not it. And there's this ad addictive nature almost to like, you know, learning from relationships and the learning aspect being at the center of why you choose to be in that relationship as opposed to cutting the bullshit and stop fucking around and making that commitment to yourself and say, okay, um, let's really do this differently this time and allow yourself to be confronted with 
certain shadows and vulnerabilities because there's no other way than a part of the identity to need to be crushed and destroyed completely when you do meet your soulmate. So speaking of soulmates, what is a soulmate? How do you define a soulmate? I would love for you to also answer that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that, I'll tell you what I think. I mean, um, I, I, I'm, I'm, it's a kind of question that's very provocative, I suppose. I've, um, I just went to see Jay Shetty last week. And I interviewed this couple who've written this book, Wild Monogamy, just last week. So it's a, and I also am part of this sex book club, and we reviewed this book called Honest Sex this week, which is all very, all very beautiful themes about intimacy and love. So it's a, it's a topic that's kind of feeding me um, in general right now. Um, but I think of soulmate. Um, it's something that sounds it sounds like a romantic notion. I'm not sure. Um, if there's just one or, or if it's a different type of connection compared to what you've had before. I mean, something that's kind of a new sensation for me is about healing in intimacy, whereas I've had in the past relationships that have caused more trauma and, and added to the trauma of childhood, et cetera, and then created my own barriers that have maybe stopping this from coming to me. So it's, it's something I find very provocative at this moment of my life, and um, I'm very intrigued by the concept. So um, it's very aligned with what I'm living right now to speak to you today. So I'd like to share what you, what you think a soulmate is. Yeah. Well, the book clip sounds amazing. <laughs> it's really very inspiring. Yeah. I, I'd love maybe after the show, you can share with me some titles. It's It sounds really awesome. Um, soulmate. I have to be honest. I often get turned off by by certain terms especially like twin flame and this and that which you know again maybe will activate some uh how do you call it um uh, what's the word um brainwashing that we receive okay. through disney movies um you know where there's prince charming and the one and so i do think that these terms are tricky to use um i suppose in a way I mean, I personally do believe in true love and I do believe in soulmates. And I suppose what it feel what it feels like to me is like almost this amazement of like, I cannot believe how well we click into each other and how we how well we are able to navigate, especially difficulty in life. And so what is a soulmate? I suppose it's meeting in the right moment of time where things align. So what I mean by that is, of course, uh, there's always things to uncover or to heal or to work through. And I also believe that there are shadows or traumas or wounds that can only actually be healed when we are in that deep love with another being, human being. Um, and also I've learned through motherhood that there's certain wounds that I have only been able to access by actually stepping into motherhood even though I've done a lot of work on ancestry and my own connection with my mother previously. So to think that a soulmate is this Prince Charming and we live happily ever after, um, no way. <laughs> but when you look at challenges, difficulty, traumas, triggers, um, I think we all sometimes need to enter a space where we kind of lose our minds, right? Like that's what trauma does. We, we are unable to navigate it in the sober way we're able to navigate life in, in a normal sense. And I would say that with a soulmate, there's that patience and that understanding of like, okay, you need to lose your mind. Okay, it's 
it's unfortunate, but you have to fall into this depression or you have to go through this identity crisis or there's just this understanding, patience and compassion um, while also being able to be that vulnerable in, in the same way. So it's like how to lead and how to be led, how to take space and hold space, how to be vulnerable and allow the other to fall apart. And that level of commitment is something that, you know, recently I've been relating to more and more as, you know, the cycles of nature or the cycles of seasons or something that requires us to understand their cycles that go up and down and we need to be patient, kind of like being pregnant and then the birth and then watching the child grow that I do unfortunately feel has been lost in some way, like um, with the internet, with um, quick click and everything is available type of information, um, accessibility, uh, shop and click and buy and it's there the next day. That kind of quick, fast everything, I I see it reflected in relationships where struggles or traumas or the patience that it requires is not always there and it's easier to step out of it and then take care of the integration by yourself, which again, I would say is part of the archetype of the strong independent woman. Um, but to answer your question, I suppose a soulmate would be the one that does have that patience and where that patience is felt mutually. Um, you mentioned yeah. flame. Um, what would you say the difference between a twin flame and a soulmate is? Because <laughs> it's not quite the same thing. I mean, I, my understanding is that a twin flame is someone you meet in all lifetimes and they're teaching a lesson to kind of get you ready for the soulmate. Would you say that was true? That oh, that's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah. I not as profound. So in my course of Dare to Love, I have, yeah, I have one chapter that is dedicated specifically to ex-partners because very often it's those experiences that create certain patterns and blockages and ways of sabotaging your path to love or, you know, feeling like you need to protect or whatever. And there's one, let's say, um, sub module connected to that module that is dedicated specifically to karmic connections and when I hear you with your reference to to twin flame, I would say like, yeah, it's a karmic connection. Um, I've actually like kind of removed myself from that term ages ago, but it's it's a tricky energy, karmic connection, past life recognition. Um, they're I guess really sticky uh, connection. I mean, I've had a couple, and and one of them was was definitely very impactful, even though we were never together. Um, so it's the kind of connection that there is an instant recognition, there is an instant familiarity. Uh, very often the love can unfold very quickly because, I mean, if you do believe in reincarnation and having met in various lifetimes, which I do believe, then if you have that meeting with a twin flame, it means it comes with the old love, let's say. So love that is lifetimes old. And therefore, it's deep love. It's profound love. It's it's very often a type of love that someone may have never felt in 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 this life, and that's why it's so intriguing to like dive into it. It's magnetic. It's like it pulls you in very deep, very quickly, very intensely. However, if it's a twin flame, and if you have lived past lives, it often also comes with a load of baggage, right? Like unresolved karma. And I see these karmic connections as uh, two ways. 
it can either be a karmic connection that um yeah you were together in a past life and you didn't resolve whatever you needed to resolve and now you're being offered offered a second chance or it could be a karmic connection in the sense that you've never met in a in a past life but somehow his trigger triggers your trigger and somehow the 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 wounds that you're meant to resolve match and therefore you are magnetized towards each other to see whether you can resolve it together um even though there's no history between you there's like that karmic um unfolding and it's really interesting because i do see a lot of potentiality in these kind of connections it's like wow if you were to work it out with that person it's like uh being able to make a quantum leap right right in your evolution but at the same time it requires two people to say yes and so far i've not experienced that and i've never seen that around me i've actually only seen people needing to go through very deep initiations that were very intense and very difficult to resolve and to recover from so do you what, the, how much the soulmate do you think it's an instant connection or is it something that can develop over time would you say you know you recognize that connection immediately or does it just vary going into the circumstance um i think it can go it can go both ways right because if i look at Rowan and i we met four years before we actually got together and when we met we were both in a relationship which is why there was no possibility to even explore um and my client at the time was his friend and she's the one who said oh you guys should connect professionally so we've recorded a, a youtube video for his channel and that was it basically like i never got to know him we stayed in contact like i said to help each other with various projects and promotions and this because it was just like very complimentary and yet i do believe that it was already decided um yeah here in the andes in peru I've in the past, I've created all kinds of retreats where I would interweave uh, the shamanic tradition from the Andes connected with the tantric background that I have from the time that I used to live in India. And I would include, you know, different uh, medicine people, let's say. I never worked with plant medicine in my retreats. Uh, it was more like a sweat lodge, uh, working with plants with the connection to the mountain spirits here and just the Andean way of, of um, shamanism, just shamanic connection. And there's one medicine woman that I've worked with over the years um, who I very much honor for just who she is. Like she comes from a lineage of curanderos. Um, she learned her modalities from very young onwards. Like I guess in that tradition, it's uh, more emphasized for, you know, the, the child to learn these healing modalities or learn how to keep to, to read the coca leaves, for example, or do a despacho offering instead of going to regular school. So it's like ingrained um, and generation upon generation, right? So it's also that support of the ancestry. Um, so anyway, in my retreat, she would often do an offering and also offer a coca leaf reading to my participants. And a coca leaf reading is, I suppose, similar to either a coffee reading or tea leaf reading, or, I mean, there's all kinds of variations, right? In different cultures. Um, and the coca leaf here is very sacred. And her channel is very clear and direct. Like she'll never make up stories. She'll just give you like, okay, this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, it was like difficult for me to understand her ways of, of uh, sharing that kind of profound information. But I remember very specifically, there was one retreat where she said, oh yeah, 
you've already met uh, your husband, you've already met your soulmate, uh, the father of your children, but I see you need to go through a couple more relationships in order to get there. And at the time, I was really frustrated that I had received that information. It's like, oh, fine. Like, who is he? <laughs> well, that too. But also, like, it means I need to fall in love and break my heart and fall in love and break my heart, right? Which is what people, like, I mean, I can speak for myself. Like, I was done. I was, like, fed up with needing to learn from love. And I felt like I had reached a point where I just didn't want to waste my time, even though nothing is ever wasted. Of course, I, I appreciate every love I had, but I also knew, like, I was ready. So like really, really, really go deep. But I'd forgotten about it at some point. And when Ruan and I got together, I got reminded of it. Somehow it it like came up in me, like boom, recognizing like, oh yeah, he had already been in my life. And like you say, no, I was thinking like, who's this person? And who have I been attracted to? And maybe there's someone I let go of who I could have a second chance with. But in this sense, when I look at his journey, what happened in those four years up until the point that we got together, as well as my own journey, it, it did feel like, okay, we needed some solo independent exploration and understanding and integration to reach, let's say, a level of maturity that says, I'm really ready to do this. Um, and I mean, the fact that we reconnected during the pandemic, when during world lockdown, it's almost like in the moment of impossibility, it became possible. So in that sense, I would say, yeah, I, I want to help people trust in the impossible love. That's amazing. You know, especially if, if they have had, I don't know, all kinds of uh, weird encounters through Tinder or whatever. I think that that can often cause people to stop believing in love because there's, you know, there's all these like, basically men that they don't really want to date or men that are not really up to the emotional depth that the woman is looking for or uh, to start a family, for example, or be ready for that level of initiation. And slowly over time, especially through those kind of encounters, um, I've seen a lot of women shut down, right? Like shut down the heart or uh, come up with narratives of why it's okay that love is not at the priority right now. Or it just seems impossible because there's absolutely no men in their surroundings that seem even close to what it is that they desire. And when, you know, going back to your question, I would say like, yeah, the soulmate is there for sure. I believe everyone has one. And I believe that... Just one or several? I believe in one, but... Okay, that's interesting. I am I'm very open to people disagreeing. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, I suppose I, I'm just speaking from my own experience, yeah. That, from my experience, or from my, I did this book, you, you know, Calling in the One? Do you know this book? It's a really nice book. It's about how to attract your, your pet. Who's the, who's the writer? Uh, what's her name? Um, Catherine something. Where is it? Oh, because I, I make meditations for Mind Valley, and I think she has a meditation. She has a talk on there. I mean, she's amazing. Yeah. The story's amazing. And the, the Calling in the One, it, and basically it's a 49-day course, seven seven weeks, and you're not, not supposed to date during that time. And you read about three pages a day, and then you do a little exercise. And I did it just two years ago. I just came out of another, another relationship. And even though that relationship was kind of a twin flame thing, but I knew he wasn't the guy. Um, but I still felt like I was craving something more. And I, I did this um, exercise, like why I'm still single, to try and take responsibility of my, of my situation. And I think one of the reasons I put was... I don't have any good 
um, role models around me. I think that's a really big thing because when you see all these couples who are, I mean, just my friend said to me the other day, I'd rather be single than in, in an average relationship. You know, and you see these people who just lost the spark, they're just kind of going through the motions of life and it just seems so uninspiring. So when you see that around you and you see lots of people like that, then you just think, wow, I'm so lucky actually, <laughs> you know, to be single. Yeah. And that's a big block for many people. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good that you point that out. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, it's it's one of the things, it's one of the reasons I would say that why I share so much of my personal story on my podcast, for example, um, or why I try to, you know, weave it in into interviews like this or on my Instagram page, like all these details of just to, like the reminder of like it does exist. And not to like, you know, I'm the only one because... Just to go back to my own journey, there was one couple I had met once upon a time. I didn't even know them that well, uh, but we had met in Barcelona, actually, where we are. Um, and they are musicians, beautiful couple. And they touched me both with just the way that they were together and also the way that they both interacted with me in, in just their sovereignty, I suppose. That gave me this reflection and, you know, I followed them. We haven't actually met physically since then, but we're still in contact. And I guess I held on to that reference. And I think that if we all take the time to look for a reference that feels authentic to us, uh, we will find that that is there. And it just comes down to shifting the perception. Because like you say, these days, it's so easy to look around and see how fucked up or how uh, there's a lack of commitment, especially, right? Like, oh, things get hard. I'll look for something else. Oh, he's not perfect. I'll look for something else. Oh, I don't feel safe. Instead of working with like, where's that actually coming from? Let's walk away. I mean, that was one of the patterns I had. It was very easy for me to walk away. And I would say maybe in some way I chose partners that I could walk away from. And it's interesting, right? And that's why I speak about this initiation when you do find your soulmate. And I do believe that there's some level within our subconscious that knows the ego is going to get destroyed <laughs> once you dare to love. Because it's like, yeah, some construct of what feels safe when you're independent or what feels, I guess it's, it's easier to manage life, right? Whereas when you manage life together, I mean, right now I'm learning how to manage life as being three people and we want to have another child. And especially as a woman, it's like you're so interconnected, not just with your partner, but especially with your child. And it's, it's I feel like I'm three people and it does get overwhelming and but to be able to navigate it i do believe like that's that's the key power of of true femininity and it's difficult right like to be in the masculine to organize to go through processes to decide when to do what and how in some way is easier but once we do shift into like what i believe is the nature of the woman not to say that I've cancelled out all of my masculine attributes because I would consider myself to be primarily masculine, but it's such a, I don't know how to put it. It's almost like I have more, more energy uh, when I am in my feminine and I just let my man take the lead. Like right now, for example, he had to go to Mexico where we have our home. Um, it's a long story. Anyway, I stayed behind in Peru because this used to be my home and I just wasn't ready to leave. He had to work. Um, and just not having him here, it's like, like, oh, you know, I lean on him so much for like the little decision making. Mm -hmm. And it's like given so much space in my mind and my brain to not even need to connect to time or 
Um, I mean, these are like small details, but when you do become that union, it's like you move together. And in order to understand how to build that foundation that you can healthily do that, egos need to be crushed for both, right? So narrative stories, patterns, I think they all play into uh, sometimes preventing us or us ourselves on some level of consciousness preventing us to get where we truly want to be. Okay, so let's, I think I diverted a bit from yeah. what you were saying. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, so let's forget Tinder and go to Tantra. How can a single person use tantric methods to to attract a soulmate? That's, that's what you're, you're teaching, isn't it, in your course, Dare to Love? Isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Anything you yes. Can... Yeah, of course. I mean, I do want to mention that, you know, um, for example, orgasmic magnetism, if the ground hasn't cleared, it's kind of like having a garden, right? Like if you don't pull out the weeds, mm-hmm. if you don't prepare the earth, then you can't plant the seeds and expect them to flourish. So that... In yourself. You know, cle- yeah, exactly. And, you know, in Dare to Love, the first three weeks are very much dedicated to pulling out the weeds. We go very deep into ancestry, which in any shamanic tradition, that's the first thing they would look at. Um, Is there anything that is passed on through the lineage? Because, I mean, we are living in a time where uh, we have the privilege, right, to reach out to God knows um, how many um, therapists or professionals or plant medicines or like we have basically a candy shop to to pick from to do our inner work. And that's really beautiful. But our ancestors often didn't. Or, you know, my grandparents, for example, were born right before the Second World War and how that impacted them. And, you know, after the war, there was no space really for integration. People didn't really want to talk about it anymore. They just wanted to keep going and to just consider that, you no, know, like things that I had to resolve for them. Because in a way, these echoes are passed on when traumas are unresolved. And that's just one uh example but when it comes to love um it's the same thing right like that that kind of exploration or integration unless you're you're from um you're deeply connected to some kind of ancient lineage i would say that that was probably not present in any uh family not in that way that is really needed so those kind of patterns i would say like have to be uh, recognized removed and Shamanic rituals can very much help in that sense. And of course, ex-partnerships and other shadows. And then once the ground is cleared to integrate tantric practices, I feel is the absolute most powerful way to enhance the expansion of the heart and enhance the connection to that new vision. And it's not even a new vision, right? Because I think that all of us recognize like what is that intimate deep desire of what you wish to experience with your life partner, with your soulmate, or however you want to call it, um, I, 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 I do believe that that's innate. Like it's a primal desire to want to just share life with your mate. Mm-hmm. And so, to use sexual life force energy, as you know very well, um, is just the absolute most divine, godly, powerful energy that we have, and I see it as an infinite energy. So regardless of how much work you've already done with your sexual energy or the connection that you have with it, it can continue to grow almost as, you know, a relationship that you have with yourself. Um, And even like the expansion of that energy or what you're able to achieve within the orgasmic space can continue to grow and grow and grow. Even if you 
do the same very basic tantric practices over and over again. And so just um, entering that space with that attitude of like, almost like I know nothing, you know? Like me, for example, I've been on the tantric path for more than 10 years and it's amazing how if I allow myself to just be in this curious open space of like, okay, show me what's there, um, how it can open up to new rounds, new layers. And the key element in that exploration has to be intention. So I suppose one very simple uh, practice would be to, yeah, direct that energy um, towards your goal. But now I do want to say transmutation or sex magic, something like that, both, both practices. Yeah, I would say both practices. I mean, I personally refer to sex magic mostly within couple. Okay. Um, but yeah, trans or sexual transmutation. Um, but it's almost like making love with the universe. Oh, yeah. So if, if I don't know what you want to call it, if you want to call it the universe, the source, the godly, the divine, uh, whatever you connect to, um, there's two ways of working with your sexual energy in that sense. You have the penetrative force, whether you're a man or a woman, which is basically, I have my goal and here's my orgasm and I'm going to shoot it into the heart of that, what it is that I wish um, to manifest. And I would say what I've seen online or what I've read around, that is the main thing um, that is spoken about when talking about using orgasmic life force energy for a manifestation. But then looking at femininity and looking at like how we are designed as women, we receive. And in my course, this is actually the, the, the thing I put most emphasis on, specifically because I, I do like working with strong, independent women. And it's it's a very different kind of power, right? To have so much trust that you open in a way that you know you're going to receive exactly that which is meant for you. And it may not be exactly the vision that you have. It may not have nothing to do with that list that you created, but it's simply that space of like, how can I be in that ultimate state of receptivity? And as you probably know, um, and many of the listeners who are very connected to their sexuality, the, as a woman, the more open you are, the more you trust your partner, the more pleasure you receive. And the more, you know, we are in that space of absolutely allowing ourselves to melt. So to go back to your question, when doing these kind of practices, I often encourage women to like avoid the labia, avoid the clitoris and the yoni completely in the beginning to just emphasize on like, okay, how can I melt more? What is it that I need? Um, you know, what other um, aspects of my body allow me to enter that orgasmic state without needing to have an orgasm or without needing to like take it further? Because that helps open, soften, relax. And I would say a woman needs to be in that space before touching um, her genitals and really aiming for that orgasm. And then, of course, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you've had a podcast episode on, you know, uh, building up the orgasmic energy life force before having an orgasm and, and how that also accelerates the power uh, that that energy can have. So to like look for the edge and then relax again, melt away and then look for the edge and relax again, open. And then finally, when the orgasm comes, to ensure that the body is absolutely relaxed and focus on receiving the orgasm as opposed to shooting it with almost like a penetrative force. And that state of relaxation requires practice. And um, the manifestation that is 
is able to be um, experienced or how do I say it? Like what you can manifest from that space. Uh, it's almost like you have to know what it is that you want and be able to let it go. And by yeah. practicing this, you're just practicing what it means to receive and trust to receive and trust to be open. And yeah. what happens there? But it's it's like, yeah, we can talk about it. But I do see like, yeah, for us as women, it, whether you were, you know, whether you relate to being strong, independent or not, just living in the world that we live in now, I would say that every woman could spend some time just practicing that uh, aspect of femininity, right? Like the pleasurable aspect of being open and receive, receive the support that we essentially long for to receive from our men. Definitely. Because I've been practicing sex magic for five years and my my practice has evolved so much to, um, in relation to um, what I've been aiming for, my techniques, um, the books I've read. But more recently, I've done some, I have a magical diary. So I always write down, you know, my, the moons, the moon phase, the menstrual phase and um, tarot card I pulled in the morning and plus the, and the wow. intention. And the intention is sometimes you know, just a couple of words, something I'm aiming for, or it could be an, an affirmation I'm working with. But more recently, I've worked with things, affirmations such as, I am ready to receive my gifts, or I'm open to my, or I am guided, you know, the more kind of receptive, um, or what is mine will come to me, you know, things like that, that are not non-specific. So I know, I know exactly what you mean about that. Because I mean, when I first started it, it was because of financial need and, and more professional goals, like they're really in the masculine and really shooting out and, um, and, and going for certain specific goals. And then it started working just within a, f a couple of months. It was amazing. So I really credit well, magic to my for my current life because it's changed a lot in the last five years. I mean, five years ago, I had no pillows. I was living in a tiny apartment with no sofa. I was cold. You know? <laughs> and now I'm just living in a much nicer state. I paid off all my debt. So I, I kind of felt I was very focused on financial, professional goals at the beginning. And now- Incredible. Now I'm more focused on getting that balance in my life and in other areas. And um, also read this book called Letting Go of the Pathway of Surrender. So that kind of got me into another space of, you know, manifestation. Because it's not just about, I think there's three parts of that. There's, there's the mindset, there's the action, and then there's also a surrender of not being attached to detachment, you know. So mm -hmm. I'm I'm kind of working on. But I think I, I do like to kind of work with those affirmations that like I'm guided or or um, what's mine will come to me and then just just trust it's a kind of beautiful space to be in well I did one have one orgasm about a month ago with something like that something that like what's mine will come to me I just started crying for no reason I never really have those experiences in this in this in a solo space sometimes I've cried with, with an orgasm when I've been sharing the experience mm -hmm. but solo practice so I, I practice actually sex magic as a solo thing not um, mm -hmm. completely opposite there to, to, to what you're doing but I'm really intrigued about learning more techniques as, as a wit to share. So that's, that's well, I think what you share is, is really beautiful. And, and I hope that, you know, listeners can take from that because there's a reason why a lot of women have to step into that independence, right? And, mm. and, and create that freedom, like you say, and financial independence and all of this and, you know, express from our purpose, which you're evidently living. And that in itself brings such a satisfaction um, and then to from that space create the space for the femininity to also thrive I, I can clearly see like wow you're doing it with so much um, sensitivity and awareness and yeah it's, it's really beautiful how you're working with that because it's easy to get stuck I suppose in the comfortable like oh yeah you know how to shoot out in, into the universe and, and manifest but to always humble yourself and, and open space for 
for the new, you no, know, like and and to trust, like you say, that what is meant for you will come. Yeah, it sounds really powerful. Yeah, it's really cool having a diary because you can look back and like done, 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 got it. <laughs> you see how fast wow. what's working, especially with in correlation with the moon phase, like for example, when it's waxing, things you want more yeah. of, when it's waning, things you want less of, you know. So I kind of that as well. Yeah. And also menstrual. I work with sigils sometimes. That sigil is a really cool um, technique of making these symbols. So when you make them, then you kind of forget about them and then just choose one. You've got no idea what it is. And you just kind of send in the energy that way. And it's you're kind of bypassing your conscious. Mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really The one that tells all the stories. Yeah. Yeah. And all that's t- blocking you yourself. So I, th- I think everyone needs to move out of their own way and just, you know, get to the gifts because we're all stopping on. Yeah. Yeah, because even what you said of the example of uh, the book that you read once upon a time, I do the same, you know, whenever people work with me, it's like, yeah, no dating, no dating apps. I want people to delete it because I I trust so much in this like old school of like, you send out a vibration and for sure, you know, there's stories of people who did meet their partner on a dating app, Mm -hmm. but if somehow it hasn't worked out and is actually contributing to the sense of discouragement as opposed to encouragement it's like okay let's call turkey get rid of everything and conscious celibacy is is one of the practices that i also integrate and what i mean by that is it's kind of like what you said no like you stop dating but as opposed to celibacy where it is an absence of of uh interaction with with anything sexual it's actually using the sexual energy consciously so kind of like what you were doing and what i was just sharing about um integrating a tantric practice and it all kind of leads up to this point what I said earlier, like knowing what it is that you want and being able to let it all go. And that is the purest vibration of receptivity. So just to give an example from my own life, um, I mean, like I said, I, I, I reconnected with Ruan during the pandemic and this was like August, end of August. So it had already been more than half a year of lockdown. I was here in Peru. It was really quite extreme. There was military on the streets. Um, our curfew was at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. There were certain days we weren't allowed to even go to the market. It was in a way very extreme, but on the other hand, it allowed for a particular intimacy to occur, like these online gatherings. Or even- well, no, here. Yeah, okay. here. Like the gatherings that we organized that were, you know, quote unquote illegal. And it really brought us together, even though the community is already quite tight. And I told myself, you know, I know I'm not going to find my partner here, but let's have fun. Like I was really thriving at that point in my life, business-wise, everything, health. Um, I was just like fully shining. And I said to myself, let's have a lover. So I invited a lover into my life. Uh, We had a great sexual connection. It was fun. We made some trips. But there wasn't that understand. Like I could just feel like with him, I can't share my 100% emotional experience. Um, I, yeah, so I held that back because I didn't want to because I knew he couldn't hold that space. I I guess he was lacking a little bit of that maturity um, that I wanted. And it's, it's, I guess it reflected to me like this difficulty, right? Of like, okay, sometimes it's fun to have a really great sexual connection with someone who you can laugh with and go on adventures with, but a part of me just was, it's like I couldn't 100% be myself. So when he left the country, it was a little bit of a relief where I felt like, 
you know, I like it. We're still in contact. He's, he's in a way a good friend. And I, I, I really wish him the best. I think he's an incredible person. But when he left, I was also relieved. Like I, I knew what I wanted and I just didn't want to waste my time in that way anymore. And he actually helped me reach that point of like, you know what? I'm not even going to call in a lover. And up until that point, I hadn't, I hadn't had an, a lover lover just for the sake of having a lover for years. I mean, I'd had, you know, attempts to relationships that failed. So not to say that everyone who ended up on my path ended up being long-term relationship, but I was just serious. Like I wanted something real. And with him, it was like really the focus on fun, but I couldn't be a hundred percent myself. And then he left and I, I basically said to myself, you know what? I can use my sexual life for his energy and, and charge anything in my life. And this pandemic is going to last, I don't know how long. So I'm okay with that. I'll just be consciously celibate, do my tantric practices, allow my business to thrive. And I have zero complaints about the rest of my life, like business, friendship, sense of home, belonging. I was like, okay, forget about it. I'm going to even stop praying for, you know, this beloved and environments in my life. And so in that moment, I actually reached the point of being able to let go of my desire, if that makes sense. Because like I, I, I figured I've been praying for this, so I don't need to repeat my prayer because the universe knows I could just let go. And I think it was two days later that Ruan invited me as a guest onto his podcast. And that is basically the thing that allowed the ball to get rolling. Because in that podcast was the first time I openly kind of flirted with him. It was actually about conscious celibacy and how to use these practices to release um, uh, patterns of the past and relationships of the past and so on. And so it intrigued me in that interview, like what his patterns had been. And it was clear that he was at a stage in his life where he was also ready. When the interview was done, I suggested for us to do uh, one on one sessions with each other. So me for him and him for me. And I think it was like two sessions in where he broke the ice and he was like, um, yeah, he basically admitted he'd always been attracted to me and uh, couldn't stop thinking about me and wanted to really explore whether this was uh, something worth exploring. And I felt exactly the same way about him. Um, but yeah, anyway, to go back to that point, it's like how to get in that space of like knowing exactly what you want and being able to let it go. Like it's something that you cannot fake. It's like an orgasm you cannot fake. And and how to get into that space is is tricky. It's almost like so easy that it's difficult. Mm. And I suppose this is kind of what I love bringing people to. Like, what is that journey about? It's not necessarily like, oh, you know, here's the key to uh, manifesting all your dreams, but really getting into that space that is absolute trust, right? It's like I'm no longer directing because the universe already knows what it is that I want, whether it's love or something else. And then to have that trust and to have that openness to receive. And yeah. Definitely. Amazing. I've talked to you for hours. A couple of quick question, um, quick questions. What is the book that changed your life? Mm. What super sunny again? The book that changed my life, well, it's actually quite a hard question. Anything you read in the pandemic that kind of impacted you? Anything about Tantra that's that's been a learning tool for you? 
It's really interesting. The book that actually comes to me <laughs> is a novel and it's okay. quite humorous um, and fantasy rich. It's called Jitterbug Perfume by Tom Robbins. Uh. So I particularly like this book because he's interwoven aspects of history um, as well as uh, ancient uh, history of India. So I lived in India for five years. So anything that somehow has this like fusion of, or a hint of, um, the magic of India always intrigues me a lot, but the story is basically as follows. There's a, a king who needs to run away because otherwise he would be killed. Um, and he encounters his wife called Kudra and she is, um, a master in, in Kama Sutra. And they both go on this journey of what it takes to live forever. And this has actually been one of my obsessions in the past of like being obsessed with health and longevity and like how to live in the best way possible for the longest. Right. And I think that sexuality is, is a huge element of that. And so the, in this book, the, there are certain practices that they integrate um, to be able to, to live together for the longest. So it might be a very strange example. Because uh, all the other uh, books of Tantra, like, yeah, there's a few that I can think of, but I wouldn't say that they impacted me the most, um, especially when it comes to like sexuality is actually uh, certain partners that I had or certain experiences that I had um, that allowed me to really integrate certain wisdom. And so, for example, when I look at like the way I've constructed the course that I made or the way that I share my wisdom, I... I am the type of person like, sure, I'll dive into um, deep understanding through books, but I would never say it is mine unless I have an experience. So I, I always want whatever I share to be fueled through that. But this book, I suppose in a way, because there is a hint of magic of them living for hundreds of years and moving through uh, the challenges of that and also the togetherness, right? like how to overcome overcome that together and have that um i suppose passion that unites them that obsession almost like and i think that that is something that in the partnership is essential uh so of course me and my partner we we have the work that is very um integrated uh we're about to um teach our first uh retreat together for couples like how to accentuate that polarity within um, a couple uh, more, like we're going to do that in New York. Anyway, none of this is online yet. So I, mm. I'm i sharing this a bit uh, premature, but we have that passion. And of course we have a daughter and we want to grow our family. And so that is what unites us. And that is what gives us the strength to keep moving forward. But in this book of Tom Robbins, it's like, it's their obsession of like understanding love, longevity or immortality. Um, and you know, the potion that they create or how to recreate it and the gods that enter the story and present their wisdom. So there is that connection to the earthly and the physical as well as like the magical and the spiritual um, and that unity, you know, like how to do this together, that mission. And so for couples who don't want a family, I do always see that, yeah, if there is a lack of that thing that you nourish together, it's it's not easy to nourish the relationship. 
And so to have that, so in a way, I don't know if it changed my life, but it's it's a book I've I've read multiple times over the la- over the last ten years, I think three times maybe, um, because it's just very um, written in a very eloquent way. Like I love his play with with words and language, and it's almost poetic. Um, and then there's history and fantasy and love, and uh, right ingredients. <laughs> So what about, um, do you have a phrase or affirmation or quote that you live by? Well, the one that sh- that uh, jumps into my head right now is everything can change in a single moment. Oh, nice. It, it helped me a lot in difficult times in the past. Uh, the recognition that I've had a lot of experiences where... For example, I'd be stuck. I'd be stuck in uh, in a depression, for example, or not knowing which way to go. And often, all it takes is—I um, mean, you're into books, so often what it takes is to read that one phrase that catches you, or that one movie that you see randomly, or um, meeting a stranger and that person sharing something that somehow shifts your perspective. Perspective. Or making a new friend or it's like in a single moment everything can change and yeah it's helped me a lot it's helped me a lot throughout my yeah, life right. what, so, what's yours um so many because I, I actually didn't um because i've been a writer for so many years i used to write for el pais i've published three books here in spain i didn't want to be influenced by other books so i didn't read for so long and then um in the pandemic i just i read 30 books I think the book that really changed me was Think and Grow Rich because I was really focused on money and I was like, my partner my partner reads that a lot. Oh my yeah. god, it's amazing. I've just done um the workbook. I highly recommend this. Sorry I've just done um the workbook with yeah. a friend. You know the workbook? No, but it, he, it's like it's always on his nightstand this book. <laughs> I mean this workbook because it's actually uh is exercises based on each chapter. So I met with a friend every Friday at four o'clock and we do a chapter a week. And I'm telling you, my life has just changed like, in these last 12 weeks that we've been doing it. And it's really yeah. nice to, um, to bounce off these, these ideas from someone else, you know, to kind of share, because he talks about, you know, when two minds come together, it creates a third entity. And, and I really believe in teamwork and, and also yeah. my friend, we're doing it. And we're kind of seeing each other's situation from the outside so we can really help yeah. it because i mean reading a book is not good enough you have to it's how you apply it so i'm um, thinking grow rich really blew my mind because i've been a sexual wellness uh, so- major since 2009 and when i discovered sex transmutation it was like wow it was five years ago and i thought i thought i knew a lot about sexuality because i've been focused on pleasure and overcoming taboo but i didn't realize there's a, there's a whole new realm of of power and and healing and manifestation so it was it was just so incredible for me because I was in a situation where I was struggling. I, I was you know I had no pillow and my neck was sore. I mean I had a, a really bad sofa. I had I had all these sex toys and the, I was living in this apartment by the sea. I was like, how am I going to afford this? So then I discovered Think and Grow Rich and sex transmutation. Then I had sixty two orgasms in in March twenty eighteen. Really focused on um, professional goals. And then in the in the June that year, I went vegan, and I had for spiritual reasons. And then I started manifesting, and then it's just been ever since then. I've just been strengthening my magic practice, and it's just been my I don't to the point where I don't really recognize my life now. It's very very different, and I just that is the book that's really opened. And I thought if I if that book has changed so much for me, how many other books are there? So I got really into 
spirituality and personal development, sacred sexuality books. I have like a lot of big book shelf here and uh, yeah, I'm just always reading. I just, I just find it fascinating. It's another one I love, Adventures in Sex Magic. <laughs> this is another. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of books about sex magic as well. Um, so I'm, I'm just really interested in, um, and one, one book I really love is um, Sexual Energy and Yoga, which is an amazing mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I'm always in, in, hungry to learn more and, um, I just find it's interesting how to apply the sexual energy to other areas of life that go beyond pleasure and intimacy. So that's really yeah, for sure. I mean, just listening to you now, I'm like, oh yeah, now I see why it was so difficult for me to answer the question, because I think for me, it's been like the, the, the healing, the hearing of the call to go to a certain place that has like changed drastically aspects of my life and so I've traveled a lot um I mean I, I hope to finally ground that's for sure but like my five years in India were exactly that like that what you say you know like encountering that master that uh shares hunter from a very different perspective than this other master and I suppose the way that you sharing it regarding books is exactly that right it's like this perspective that highlights something that you're already integrating and then you somehow fuse it into your own I mean, listening to you, I'm like, wow, if you want and if you have the time, I would love to interview you because oh. I, I wish I, I got to know more about you in this in this chat as well. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's... What's the name of your podcast? What's the name of your podcast? Dare to Love. Oh, amazing. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but you seem just like really open, sensitive, humble, but also really intelligent and like full of wisdom. And just like a very beautiful expression of like femininity. And you're definitely like a strong, independent woman, but I can see the side of you that is that is truly like tapping into um, what is like the magic and the strength of being a woman. It's really beautiful to meet you. Oh, thank yeah. you. That means a lot to me because I mean, I actually, I've been working on this a lot. Um, just the last couple of years, I went to this amazing retreat in the south of France in the area called Rennes-le-Chateau. It's um, the Mary Magdalene area a lot of um divine feminine energy there and i went to see a psychic healer and she really told me to kind of you know really embrace the feminine more so i'm getting into that you know space of surrender vulnerability receptivity which has been complete i've been the complete opposite most of my life yeah but it's not all (laughs) then that's time to wear more you know things like that just trying to integrate more more accessories i used to kind of hate the kind of women who rattled because they were all you know all these accessories (laughs) now i'm becoming one (laughs) <laughs> and that don't think that way this amazing yeah i would i would love to chat more and and hear more of your story that would be so so beautiful fantastic so where can people find you would you like to share your social media and website yeah nalaya chakana mm-hmm. uh but if that is somehow diff- well it's probably going to be in the show notes mm-hmm. so it's nalaya chakana on instagram uh, nalayachakana.com but if that's too difficult to remember or you're in the car I dare to love.com also redirects you to my website and yeah so I have I have dare to love um coming up in July and it's the only time I'm teaching this like after uh, having our first child and we're getting ready for the second pregnancy <laughs> okay. so th- this is my window and uh, it's just been really beautiful to work on this especially because I've taken a, a pause, let's say a distance from my work. And I feel like, wow, the amount of, you know, stories, because it's really just a bundle of stories, no? Like when we truly share from authenticity, it's 
our experiences as well as everything I've learned from my clients over the years that allow for the foundation of these shamanic practices and tantric practices to make sense. And so the journey is six weeks. And um, the idea is that, like I said before, we come together as a group of women and we leave our stories together and allow our journeys to be witnessed. It's kind of what you said about that book, that workbook, right? It's like mm-hmm. when when great minds come together, there's an alchemy that take, takes place mm-hmm. that that amplifi- amplifies on, on the the progress we're able to make or the healing that is able to take place. So that's really the essence. And yeah, I look forward to being connected to you and hopefully have you on my podcast. And thank you so much for the time and for this sharing. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. The book I'm reading now is Sacred Sex, The Magic and Path of the Divine Erotic by Gabriella Herstig, and she's also the author of Inner Witch. I found this book when I was on Amazon and I put sacred sex into the search and this came up and I was so thrilled because the book looked amazing. Let me just read part of the blurb. It says, there has never been a more vital time to embrace the union of sex and spirit. With Gabriella Herstick's expert and inclusive guidance, learn to shed societally ingrained shame and reclaim your sexuality as nothing short of divine. Sacred sex covers topics including how to work with the divine erotic and sex magic, related mystical traditions from around the world such as Tantra, Kundalini Yoga, Kabbalah and Taoism. How to use the tarot as an archetypal framework to go deeper into your pra- in your practice. How to weave intention and mindfulness throughout sex. Rituals and sex magic to activate self-love and self-lust. To embody your higher sexual self. To heal, to manifest, and to release judgment and guilt. Guided journaling and affirmations. And much more. Wow, this is just a part of this book. And as you know already, I have been exploring the world of sex magic for quite some time. And the more I read on it, the more I refine my own practices, my own practice. I've been incorporating different techniques and rituals from different books that I've been reading, the ones that resonate the most. And it's been a while, actually, since I read the last book um, I read on, on sex magic. It's probably about a year ago, actually. And now it's nice to read something that has some topics in it that I have not considered before. I've I've already been working with affirmations in my own sex magic practice. For example, I like to listen to affirmations as I indulge in my self-loving rituals. Um, I really like to choose affirmation tracks that are related to my intention. So a lot of the time it's been about money or could be self-love. One that I really love is one about passive income. It's so good. And maybe now that I'm thinking about the masculine and the feminine, I'm thinking passive income is a really feminine way of learning, of earning money, not doing anything and just lying back and um, and masturbating. There's a great channel I love actually called You Are Creators on YouTube. And there are lots of um, hour long and really, really long affirmation tracks. And one of them is passive income affirmations. And I've, I've listened to this track so many times and I've been doing sex magic and one of the affirmations is I earn money while I do um 
uh, while doing what I love. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm in the middle of, of having an orgasm. It's so cool. And yeah, so I, I really, and also as if you follow me, follow me on Instagram, you'll know that every day I, I share my or- Oracle Tarot card of the day. So I'm getting to know the Thoth deck from Alistair Crowley and Lady Frida. And I just love this deck so much. And Alistair Crowley's also been a very um, prolific in Western sex magic. So it's kind of nice to have everything kind of connected. And to actually incorporate um, tarot in sex magic is something that I have never considered before. But after reading this book, I think I might try. I think it's also, also always good to try different things. And also in this book, I haven't ever, I've only read about 40 pages of it so far, but I'm, I'm loving it. And um, it talks about um, sacred masturbation, which is something I've been practicing anyway for a long time. I, I think masturbation can potentially be a, a real act of self-love. And people say, you know, self-love, but it's it's more than just um, feeling horny and rubbing one out. This can be It can be a very profound experience depending on what your intention is. And another thing that she mentions is the magical diary, which is something I've had now for I've been keeping a magical diary since November last year and it's also it's always good to kind of keep tabs on on what you're aiming for and to also go back and see what's working the best um for example when I started doing sex magic five years ago I did not keep tabs on what I was doing I almost obsessively uh, masturbated over my goals and then I would get frustrated about why they weren't happening um so yeah, I've lost count about how many times I tried to masturbate to get the apartment I'm in now or to get new clients or to kind of get out of my scarcity lifestyle that I had five years ago. I mean, things happened to me um, that I did manage to achieve the things I desired and intended to to have. However, since I've been keeping a diary, I have been a bit more um, varied. Um, it's, I think of it as like when you're in a restaurant and you ask the waiter, the waitress, to bring you a coffee. You kind of, you trust that they've taken your order correctly. And then you you imagine the coffee will come when it's when it's ready. If you keep harassing the waiter, I'm not sure if that's the best way. That's not, that's, you're going to get the best quality of coffee pot- uh, potentially that way. So now with my magical diary, I do sometimes um, aim for a certain goal more than once, but I don't get obsessed about it. I think it's really important as well, as we're talking about, talking about earlier about the feminine, about the surrender and and to actually allow things to happen, create the space for things to happen and not just be, um, you know, obsessed with something and going after the same thing over and over. But when I look back on my magical diary now, it's kind of cool to see, wow, that happened. You know, I've got, I've got this, I've got that. All of the things that I have aimed my, or, or um, you know, focused my energy on, I've actually achieved. And sometimes I think maybe I should go for bigger things, but I think it's good to start with small, more achievable goals. And then you can celebrate those small victories and go on and move on to uh, bigger ones potentially. And yeah, so this is a a great book and I'm just at the beginning of it now. So I haven't even got to the chapter about sex magic and something it um, also focuses on is um, overcoming sexual shame and trauma, which is essential if you want to tap into sexual power. I think it's very important to, to have a healthy view of sexuality and your own sexuality and your own desires and understand that they are sacred as well. There's nothing bad with feeling horny, not at all. So that is The Magic and Path of the Divine Erotic, Sacred Sex by Gabriella Herstic. 
Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath and enjoy. attract 
find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening, have an orgasmic week, and make sure every day is a climax.